Chara Supply Chain. Highlighting and showcasing solutions for the most complex challenges facing the industry in 21st century by our team of subject matter experts and mentors. Broadcasting every week all year round, we will present the most up-to-date series of podcasts and webinars. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bichara Supply Chain. Uh, this is Norhadi House and today we have got special guest, uh, Prasan Yadav. He is a senior fellow at the Center for Global Development, affiliate professor at INSHID and lecturer at Harvard Medical School. Thank you for being here, Prasan. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Norhadi, and great pleasure to be on your program. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in today's episode, we are going to talk about uh, managing healthcare supply chains. But before we get started, could you please a bit about yourself and your professional background? So I'm a chemical engineer. Um, I trained in management and worked for short periods of time in the pharmaceutical industry and then dedicated most of my career in academia focusing on healthcare supply chains. Took a few years off from academia to go in more practice-oriented roles, uh, one of which was at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation yeah. and have uh, worked on supply chains during the last 18 months, uh, largely focused on medical supplies for COVID and COVID vaccine supply chains. All right, so uh, to start off the discussions, uh, what is the core function of healthcare supply chains and why does uh, supply chain management take such an important role on this? Well, supply chains are the true backbone of the healthcare system in yeah. any country, any geography. And when I say backbone, uh, I'm implying two things. One is the part that we commonly associate with, which is they are what is needed to get medicines, vaccines, preventive health technologies to the beneficiaries and the patients and populations. But the second important part is the supply chains close the loop on information. They bring back very vital and crucial information sets about who has received medicines, um, what is the current state of medicine use, which with appropriate correlates can tell us about the progression of disease. So they're also a very important information for planning function um, yeah. source. So that those are the two key things which make them a, a, a strong and important part of any health system. Mm -hmm. And in, in your personal view, what are the challenges in the healthcare supply chains, uh, especially when it comes to the fact that currently the supply chain face a big challenge to the global pandemic of COVID-19? I would say three main things stand out. So firstly, supply chains for health products, um, medicines more widely, COVID-specific medicines and COVID vaccines, they have been under a lot of public scrutiny in the last not about to 16 months. And that public scrutiny has made things good and in some cases made things worse because public scrutiny without an appropriate understanding of the functions of the supply chain, how they are organized, sometimes leads to the formation of a common narrative which isn't necessarily technically grounded. So 
three things which make healthcare supply chains tricky. The first is they are highly regulated. Many parts of the healthcare supply chain are highly regulated. And that by its nature is a good thing because we do care about safety and efficacy and quality of health products that we get. But the, the downside is the time it takes to start a new facility, a new manufacturing site, to bring on board a new distributor becomes longer because they all have to go through some kind of regulatory inspection and approval. So one is regulatory scrutiny. The second part is that a large part of the fair and purchasing in healthcare supply chains is governments. Yes, there are countries in the world where it is more uh, private individuals paying out of pocket, but I think in large parts of the world, it is the government who pays for healthcare products or reimburses them or procures them. And public procurement comes with its own set of challenges. The ability to uh, have public procurement pay for things such as resilience or to pay in any other basis than just say the least cost supplier has been harder, right? Most public purchasers give the tender, the contract award to the supplier, which is selling at the lowest price. And that doesn't necessarily do good to how the supply chains for healthcare products are organized. And a third part is that maybe the third part is a manifestation of the second, that um, supply chains for healthcare products are very global. And yes, I admit that all supply chains are global, but healthcare supply chains in particular for more established small molecule medicines, as we call them, uh, or generic medicines, their active ingredients, even vaccine supply chains, they involve product flow occurring across continents, dozens if not 50 countries for even a single product to be made. And that can work when everything else is smooth. If the flows are smooth, but when there are public interventions, barriers as policy barriers, export controls, other kinds of um, government barriers, then having a supply chain that has 50, 60 nodes that are distributed across geographies in the world makes it particularly complex. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so this is another important question: How to strengthen uh, healthcare supply chains? What is your recommendations to the business leaders? So, firstly, I am sure this has become very clear and evident to all uh, business leaders who work on uh, healthcare supply chains that we cannot achieve success by improving the supply chains within the boundaries of a company a firm, an organization. Supply chain intrinsically is a multi-actor environment. We've done more in the last decade or last two decades in collaborating more with suppliers, 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 distributors, and so on. But I think that part also needs to be extended to very active collaboration models with government because government is the key purchaser especially for products which will have a big public need or a public benefit, such as what we've seen with COVID vaccines, uh, the role of government will remain to be an important and pivotal one. 
and creating the models of how supply chains will work where um, monies, information, uh, product flow exchanges, all of them will have to happen with government is an area which is still in a, in a relatively um, less advanced stage in many companies. So that's the first part that business leaders have to focus on. Yep. The, the second is um, not get carried away by the immediate policy responses or signals that they see around them, which are all lining towards what some of us would call as supply chain autarky, the idea being that every country should manufacture all of its health products and become self-sufficient. That idea, uh, while it is very common in political rhetoric now, um, it doesn't have so strong grounding in the economic efficiency of supply chains. So I think business leaders have to push back where they can. They have to speak with a common voice and make political uh, leaders understand that a very self-country, self-reliant supply chain structure will do harm to all. Instead, we can still build resilience, which is an important part. And to do that, we need to think about networks differently, yeah. uh, more geographically diversified, but more geographically diversified that does not equate to every country manufacturing its health products on its own. On its own. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you think emerging technologies can transform uh, healthcare supply chains? What is your opinion on this? Absolutely. So I think we've already seen. Uh, a much greater use of new technologies during the development distribution of COVID-related medical products. Examples are when you look at manufacturing today, um, the use of very sophisticated algorithmic technology, whether it is for doing things such as um, inspection of vials that are coming off of a packaging line or a fill-finish line, Instead of a human being trying to look at whether every vial is filled or not, we, we do have image recognition algorithms, um, various other analytical methods that have become much more sophisticated in manufacturing today than they were a decade ago. So that's one part. In mm -hmm. distribution, again, the role of advanced forecasting, having new algorithmic techniques that can help us forecast demand better and then match supply with it uh, is an area which on one side has progressed very, very actively, especially in the consumer product industry, in the home delivery and e-commerce business, but it hasn't progressed as well in the life sciences and medical distribution industry, especially for products with large population needs. So I think that's an area where a lot more can happen. And a third area is what you know, some would call as blockchain, but essentially anything which helps establish greater trust between supply chain actors. It could be very simple solutions um, or it could be more sophisticated ones like blockchain, but technology that can help establish greater trust between different actors in the supply chain. So those are you know, two or three areas where I see tremendous potential for technology. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay, uh, I actually still have a couple of questions. Uh, however, we are running out of time. But before we finish the conversation, do you have any other critics way that you would like to share with 
our audiences? So one important one is that the profession of supply chain management has has been, you know, somewhat of a, a backroom operation, both by choice and design, but also by how it has evolved. Yeah. And the last, you know, 12 to 18 months have given us the opportunity to remind people that while it is a somewhat backroom operation, it does create value for society. It does save lives. It does create value in many other forms. Um, and we've got to take that to the next level now. Uh, the only way, in my opinion, that it can happen is that the, the leaders who run supply chains in large, mid-sized, or smaller corporations and firms around the world or other nonprofits even, they have to allow and give sufficient degrees of freedom for the leaders of supply chain management to contribute to areas which they traditionally have not contributed to, such as you know, important importance in the executive function uh, in companies and organizations, importance in resource allocation decisions, how is money spent, how much money would be spent on supply chain, how much capital expenditure is needed. Those are afterthoughts where the, the head of supply chain often continues to make the case to the chief financial officer not as successfully. So I think that's one area where mm. I would say we all have to come together and, and do some very serious thinking how yeah. to make that happen. Mm-hmm. All right, interesting. All right, so once again, thank you for joining us today, Preza. I look forward to speaking with you at another time. See you and bye for now. At Bichara Supply Chain, we are committed to driving global perspective to embrace technological adaptation in improving process efficiencies. Don't forget to subscribe, like and share Bichara Supply Chain. And stay tuned for the latest updates. To learn more, visit our website www.picharasupplychain.com. Thank you for listening to us. We look forward to seeing you at our next episode.